happy Fourth of July weekend, everybody. What's happening? Oh, y'all. America. That's what. America. What's happening? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Battle Bros podcast with Mac and Alamo. I am Mac. This glorious man over here is Alamo. Hola. Bienvenidos. I, I, I'm not even going to try to say it because I'll, I'll mess that up. Bienvenidos a Battle Bros podcast. <laughs> we should start doing that. That's great. <laughs> so uh, it is July 1st, 2022. Welcome. Um, we are going into the July 4th weekend. So we want to start off by saying happy birthday, America. America. And I uh, hope everybody out there celebrates and um, you know, goes out and enjoys and does all the great things we do that we celebrate this uh, great nation that we live in. So, yeah. Um, how's it going, man? What's going on? Anything new with you? Uh, honestly, nothing really. I was kind of hoping to be able to afford a, afford a few uh, freedom candles, but it's probably not going to be the case this year, unfortunately. I like shooting yeah. off my freedom candles, but uh, without getting too tips. without getting too far into stuff, everything's a lot more expensive. Wink, wink. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, so <clears throat> we kind of have a cool topic we're going to talk about tonight. Um, first off, we want to give a shout out to our guest last week. If you didn't catch our show, um, which was episode zero three five, we had our fifth installment of the veteran interview panel or VIP. Yeah. We had uh, Mr. Carter on, Ben Carter. Thank you so much for being on our show. Um, Love you, buddy. Had, we told some stories on that. So, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that that yeah. one didn't get a little bit like, mm, we're going to wait and check on this one and flag it. So, mm -hmm. it was it was a Thank good one. God but, it didn't because yeah. there's too much good content, content in there to not let it go through. For sure, for sure. No, but I think it, with us as being established now for a little while, we've got enough episodes where like there's going to be some saltiness. Yeah, I, I think I think the I think the algorithm is starting to slightly get used to us at this point. They're okay. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. So, so what we're going to do today is we're going to have a conversation. Um, it, it's kind of very pertinent about uh, some current events going on this week. So yeah. we're going to be talking about duty and what that means, what that looks like. And we're going to start off by telling a little bit of a story. So um, for those of you that aren't familiar or um, versed even slightly in World War II history, lore, whatever the case may be, um, this past week on Wednesday, a gentleman by the name of Herschel Woody Williams uh, passed away at the age of 98 years old. And the reason that's significant is that he was the last living recipient for the Medal of Honor for the, uh, the World War II conflict. Yeah. And um, if you haven't read up on this guy, he is he's he's got quite the story. Like, it's yeah. fascinating and like just kind of one of those stories where it's like the definition of badass look on it says under badass look it says see him yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about mr williams first um i'm sure he's probably a little bit more well known to um folks that have had some uh experience to or service in the marine corps because yep. i know they're they're real big on like the lineage of heroes like that and 
this that, and the other. So um, I'm going to kind of talk about a couple of things noteworthy here. So um, in 1945, Mr. Williams was so actually let's let me skip back a little. Bit. I, for, so reading, doing the research on Mr. Williams here, it was funny because um, he was talking about he wanted to enlist when Pearl Harbor happened. He was working in Montana with the Civilian Conservation yeah. Corps. So he went to, um, he's from um, West Virginia area. And he actually said, I wanted to join the Marine Corps because of the dress blue uniforms. It's just like. So he's, that's literally most of the, like. Damn, dress blues. He said, he said the, the, wool, blues, the brown wool <laughs> uniform that the Army wore just looked not that good. So I was like, I want to yeah. wear what those guys are wearing. So. Um, originally he was told he was too short for service, but, um, in the early parts of 1943 height regulations had changed. So he was allowed to enlist in the Marine Corps reserve in Charleston, West Virginia on 26th of May, um, ended up going through training with, um, uh, as a demolition man in the use of flamethrowers. So, okay. Already badass as hell. So we're going to leave that alone. But, um, yeah, so he ended up going and uh, took place, took part, excuse me, in the Battle of Iwo Jima, which is hallowed ground to anybody having served in the Marine Corps or in that realm of things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just go ahead and read the Medal of Honor citation that um, was presented. So, um, so bear with me here. I'm going to try not to mess this up. So it says, the President of the United States, in the name of the Congress, takes pleasure in presenting the Medal of Honor to Corporal Herschel W. Williams, United States Marine Corps Reserve, for service as set forth in the following. And this, if you've never, you've never had a chance to like go on and like watch a Medal of Honor ceremony, because you can look that up on, you can go to like WhiteHouse.gov, you can go to YouTube and they'll play them. Like yeah. just go watch those. And it's like if it doesn't send you chills down your spine, it's just like um, we need to have a talk about some stuff. So absolutely. Sorry, I'm just adjusting my microphone here, folks. Bear with me. Sorry. So and they all kind of start out kind of the same way. So they all start off with this line for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as demolition sergeant serving with the first battalion, 21st Marines, third Marine division in action against enemy forces on Iwo Jima volcano Island, 23 February, 1945 quick to volunteer his services when our tanks were maneuvering vainly to open a lane for the infantry through the network of reinforced concrete pillboxes, buried mines, and black volcanic sands, Corporal Williams daringly went forward alone to attempt the reduction of devastating machine gun fire from the unyielding positions. Covered only by four riflemen, he fought desperately for four hours under terrific enemy small arms fire and repeated excuse me, repeatedly returned to his own lines to prepare demolition charges and obtain serviced flamethrowers, struggling back frequently to the rear of hostile emplacements to wipe out one position after another. On one occasion, he daringly mounted a pillbox to insert the nozzle of his flamethrower through the air vent, kill the occupants, and silence a gun. 
On another, he grimly charged enemy riflemen who attempted to stop him with bayonets and destroyed them with a burst of flame from his weapon. His unyielding determination and extraordinary heroism in the face of ruthless enemy resistance was directly instrumental in neutralizing one of the most fanatically defended Japanese strongpoints encountered by his regiment and aided in enabling his company to reach its objective. Corporal Williams' aggressive fighting spirit and valiant devotion to duty throughout this fiercely contested action sustain and enhance the highest traditions of United States Naval Service. Signed, Harry S. Truman. Yeah. Nothing more badass than uh, essentially turning uh, the uh, battlefield into a uh, volcanic Barbecue gray uh, hibachi. You know, it's just fucking cooking your enemies. That would have been a, that would have been Herschel uh, Hibachi. That would have been a cool nickname too, Herschel <laughs> Hibachi Williams. Hibachi yeah. Williams, <laughs> badass. The, the, yeah. the, they didn't have names like they had a lot of sarcasm in it back then. Oh, they were just yeah. kind of more. That's that's more of a now thing. So even though that is, I mean, just gallant in its own right. What's interesting, though, is his sense of duty continues on after that. So I'm going to continue reading on about uh, Mr. Williams here. So he was awarded the Medal of Honor with about 13 other people. Uh, Hold on. I'm just trying to find the damn. Here we go. Yes, he was awarded the Medal of Honor by Harry Truman on 5 October of 1945 at the White House with 13 other servicemen. Like a lot of times when they had these big actions, they would do kind of like a kind of like a, a multiple ceremony kind of thing where they have yeah. multiple recipients kind of all at once. So um, he was discharged. He was transferred to Marine Barracks Naval Training Center, Bainbridge, Maryland for discharge in uh, October 45. And then he was um, discharged from the Marine Corps Reserve on November 6, 1945. So he tried to re-enlist in 1948, but was discharged um, in August of 49. Then, October 20th of 54, he joined the Organized Marine Reserve with the 98th Special Infantry Company that was authorized by Headquarters Marine Corps to be located in Clarksburg, West Virginia, because, he's again, he's from West Virginia. Um, Transferred to the Reserve's uh, 25th Infantry Company in Huntington, on June 9th, 1957, later becoming the interim commanding officer of that unit as a warrant officer. On June 6, 1960, he was designated the mobilization officer for the 25th Infantry Company and surrounding Huntington area on June 11th of 63. He was advanced through the warrant officer ranks during his time in the Marine Corps Reserve until reaching his final rank of Chief Warrant Officer 4. Although CW4 Williams technically did not meet retirement requirements, he was honorably retired from the Marine Corps Reserve in 1969 after approximately 17 years of service. So it's kind of like, hmm, okay. So as they say all the time, but wait, there's more. more. There's more. So um, after this, he ended up going, um, he... After World War II, he accepted a job as a Veterans Affair counselor and retired with 33 years service. And kind of well known for being a, an, a very vocal advocate for veterans, the, the VA and for veterans in general. 
Um, he said that he struggled with the after effects of combat stress until 1962 when he experienced a religious renewal. But he also went on to serve as the chaplain of the Congressional Medal of Honor Society for 35 years. Okay. He was also a member of the Sons of the American Revolution and the Marine Corps League, which I understand is a uh, veterans organization strictly for um, Marine Corps veterans and also for Navy corpsmen and whatnot. Um, so, but the kind of the most interesting thing about this story so far is that he passed away. He was he went into the into the VA hospital in uh, Huntington, West Virginia, where he's from. Which is named after, after himself. Him. He yeah. died. He passed away <clears throat> on Wednesday. And I saw, I remember seeing something in the news, like on Monday or Tuesday, they're at fair, the family was like, you know, we think this is again, please, you know, send prayers and well wishes and all that kind of stuff. Cause you know, it's, it's only a matter of time at this point. So he died at the Herschel Woody Williams veteran affairs medical center in Huntington, West Virginia. It's like, like, you can't write this stuff like it's no. that's like <laughs> Billy Big Ball's badass over here. It's like you know, holy crap, man. So, but this is and, and again, this is kind of a this is kind of very fitting. You know, we were trying to figure out what we we're going to talk about early last week, and then this story kind of developed this week, and we thought it would be a good kind of change of pace to do something a little bit more on the current events side of things. Um, yeah. We have other topics, but it's like, you know, this is kind of an interesting opportunity. Let's take this and the other stuff we can just kind of push back for a little while. But so here's a guy who has this sense of duty. I mean, was discharged from the Marine Corps after getting after being awarded the Medal of Honor, got back in, um, served in the Marine Corps Reserve as a warrant officer, went up and did that for a while, ended up working for the VA for like 33 years was you know very vocal in his advocation for um veterans and the va itself and then he's involved with the marine corps league he's involved with sons of the american revolution he's a, he's a chaplain for the um for the congressional medal of honor society it's like when do you like seriously have time to do anything that you want to do it's like i mean i mean props i mean that's not meant to be a slight or anything but it's just yeah. like wow like that's that's a sense of duty you don't see that often. So, and that's going to be the caveat into our discussion here. So, what exactly is duty? Okay. Duty, as defined, is, is defined, excuse me, as a moral or legal obligation, or basically, or simply put, a responsibility. Okay. So, um, and one of the things that we talked about when, during the course of the week when we were trying to figure out how to talk about this, how to discuss it, I should say, so I don't sound ridiculously redundant. Um, so we had a, an episode we did previously on service. So you have the the sense of duty versus an act of service. I mean, there are kind of there are some similarities there, but there's also kind of a little bit of um, there's some differentiations there. So you know, I would say for me. I had a very strong sense of moral obligation when I was in high school and 9-11 happened. It's like, okay, this is kind of a defining moment. Um, I'm probably going to end up joining the military. And I did. I went over and I served, you know, and I would do it all again. No problem. And 
I would imagine, you know, not having been around and a lot of these veterans, unfortunately, are kind of starting to, you know, ride off into the sunset, unfortunately. But um, I would imagine it's kind of the same thing with the World War II veterans, you know, after Pearl Harbor happened. They felt that sense of duty. They're like, hey, I'm here. Let's let's do this. Make me your instrument. Send me off. Where where are we going to go? So. I mean, what would you what would you add to that there, Alamo? No, I mean, uh, it's funny, like my my sense of service, like <clears throat> kind of started from a fairly young age. Like, I mean, we've talked about it before on the show where, right. you know, you originally was, thought you were going to go in the Air Force. I th- yeah, I originally thought I was going to go into the Air Force because specifically I was in the Civil Air Patrol at the time. You know, I was 14. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You never yeah. told me about the CAP. I was, dude, I was young. I was young when I was in the Civil Air Patrol. I was in there for like an entire year. That's when and you were up in New York, though, right? No, I actually was living in Puerto Rico at the time. Um, uh, oh, see, something else I didn't know. God, I feel like a terrible and, friend here, man. <clears throat> so, and, okay, hold on. Time out. Yeah, yeah. Time out. <clears throat> you went from, so, you went from New York, then you moved down to Puerto Rico, then you moved to Florida. We moved, we moved a couple of times, actually. Mom got us out of New York to South Carolina, from South Carolina to Puerto Rico, then Puerto Rico back to New York for a little bit, then back down here. Is that, is that why your, your lovely sister is in South Carolina? Uh, is that just, is that just Cynthia's in North Carolina? Okay. Um, that area though but yeah she's up in that area they moved down south because obviously just like anybody else that lived in new york state realized that living in new york state is too expensive so especially (laughs) your mother with one two three you know three yeah because it would have been you nilka and marina was cynthia still living with you guys at the time or no well, Cynthia, Cynthia was living on her own for the most part. Okay. Um, you know, there, there were times, you know, for a little while she was living with, you know, I call, you know, my other mom, Migdalia. She was, uh, you know, um, my uh, sister Cynthia's mom and my brother Hector's okay. mom. And, okay. Um, gotcha. You know, basically, you know, you know, they lived together as a family for a while until, you know, obviously, you know, Cynthia got old enough and decided she wanted to move out or whatever. Um, yeah, basically. <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, it was just... See, people, me. I've known this guy for, for 20-some-odd years, and I'm still learning stuff about him. And now I, too, <laughs> like a... It's my duty to get to know this guy better because I feel like a terrible damn friend right now, so it's like... But um, I didn't realize you were around that much. So you were in the Civil Air Patrol down in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I was in the I was in the Civil Air Patrol in Puerto Rico, and I there there was just something about the way it operated, and and it you know having the like a military mindset in the way things just the structure the structure of it, and it there was just something about it that for me felt right that i felt like i had to do it kind of gave you a sense of belonging like kind of just like okay i can easily do it okay cool and when i got to high school and realized they had rotc and i was like oh crap nice okay cool i mean i don't want to join the army but you know 
I, hey, this is a good start to like help me learn some stuff, you know, because I mean, the, the whole idea of learning how to be better citizens and everything else like that through, you know, how ROTC just teaches you things that you, you know, n normal school doesn't teach you, you know, like, you know, right. why the fat, the, the, the flag gets folded a certain way during certain times of the year, why it gets put at half mass or things like that, you know what I mean? Or, or just... Yeah. You know, I mean, what what was the mission statement to motivate young people to become better citizens? Better citizens. I think, yeah. <laughs> sad that I still know that after twenty damn years. Yeah. But uh, um, I mean, it's not sad, but it's just kind of funny. But, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's it's funny you you say that because it's like little things like that that you know you don't necessarily like. They used to teach that all the time. Yep. Before ROTC was as prevalent as it was coming up to exactly. the 80s and 90s and all stuff. They like did. that was just common knowledge. Like people did yeah. that and then they got away from that kind of stuff. And it's like you only learn that, like how to fold it, you know, the sim the symbolism of having the 13 folds when you fold a flag, why, you know, yeah. the way you do certain things. And it's like, that's kind of important. Like even mm -hmm. if you just, you know, obviously you don't have to do there's no military requirement to take ROTC in high school, which is what no. a lot of mis people mis have the misconception. But at the same time, it's like you just uh, learn. You just many learn people that. like my wife, unfortunately, saw it akin to Hitler youth groups. Um, let's just put it that way. Let's just be honest and frank. That's how a lot of people saw it. Um, and it's unfortunate because it, it is. I mean, you know. it, it is unfortunate because it, it just gives you that that sense of, you know, like especially like going out and there's a lot of like you know things you get to do like extracurricular type activities like going to, yeah. going, to going to drill meets and going to all that stuff that's fun but like getting like um one of one of my one of my buddies from high school um he he actually um he was a trumpet player so a lot of times he would go out to these veterans um cemeteries or organizations and he would play taps and it's just like that's kind of cool. So anyway, yeah. I didn't mean to derail that whole conversation, dude, but please continue. No, you're good, man. But, you know, um, like I said, it, for me, it was it, it was drilled into me, honestly, from a young age, man. I. I and, and it was weird because this was before I even knew that my grandfather had served himself. Um, mm -hmm. But once 9-11 you know, happened. Um, I think like many guys, you know what I mean? I, I felt like a sense of, I felt a sense of moral obligation, not only because, you know, I was, you know, one of the few males in my family, number one, to have graduated from high school. Sorry, guys, not to put you guys out there. Um, <laughs> you know, I, let's just say I got there by the skin of my, you um, Anyway, you know, not judging this, yeah. this podcast is a safe place. You're okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was just the idea that, you know, we were attacked and, you know, again, like I said, I, I was probably one of the, I'm probably one of the fittest males in the family, not in a like sense of like i feel superior to them you right were obviously. then or you are now or all that i guess all that i don't know we'll say all that um but um gonna have to call ps on that i'm just messing with you i'm sorry dude <laughs> <laughs> but 
you know, let's just, you know, obviously being young and shit, you know, you're, you're cocky, you're freaking all this, that, and whatever. Yeah. You don't um, realize how bad until you get around younger, like when you're an older guy and you've matured. Yeah. And if you're watching and if you're, if you're watching live right now, please feel free to, to jump in the, the chat room and, yes. and, you know, Absolutely. comment on the stuff because like, it, I just find it funny. It's like in your life experiences, when you come into contact with somebody like high school or even going into like those college age years of 18 to 22 on average and you're a slightly older like you might be in your late 20s early 30s you're just like shit was i that cocky it's like yeah like not, and, not dumb it's just like you just you're so full of yourself you haven't had that cruel harsh dosage of exactly life and reality just come up and just yeah. go it's just smack you right in the face like oh yeah Bitch, where's my money? It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, my bad. Sorry. Shit. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty much how it was, man. Um, yeah. And, you know, but I felt like I needed to, you know, especially because I'm like, you know, with my mom, you know, having, you know, Nilka, Marina, you know, and then me, like, I felt like I had to do my part to make sure that they were safe. And it was, it was, it was, especially because. That. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, I don't know, man, it, it was just, and, you know, I found out that my grandfather served shortly right before I went to basic training, which is freaking nuts to me that my dad never said anything to me until, you know, literally it, it, like months before I left. Months. I didn't find out until months before I left that my grandfather served. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know. Maybe call it like I, you know, it's in my blood. I don't know. But Divine yeah. intervention. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> See, so, I kind of you know? went through something similar just because I knew that my grandfather was in... <laughs> <clears throat> he was in during World War II as well. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an interesting story about how he joined. We'll have to go over that another another episode. But he yeah. ended up serving. So um, he ended up going all the way up to uh, tech sergeant in the Army Air Force. And then he ended up being in the um, Indiana National Guard. And he was a uh, first sergeant in a, uh, I want to say a tank battalion, I believe. I'm not 100% certain. I'd really have to sit down and do some research on that, but that's what we were told. Um, but yeah, so like, I'll tell you, man, it was, it was cool. Like when I came home from basic training, I, I came, I left on a Friday, came straight from Fort Benning, stopped at his place. It was brand new, you know, E2 private, got my little skater wings on my arms and stuff and my greens. And he's just like, he's like, yeah, you look good, man. Absolutely. And yeah, so there was a little bit of pride there just because I was the first one in the military since him. Yeah. It's like, okay. <clears throat> so, but yeah, I mean, 9 11 happened. And for me, that was like, that was a responsibility. It was like, it was, it was, a it was art. It was a catalyst for a lot of people. And how many, even, so think about it, not just from the, let's, let's take out the military part of that. You have the folks from 9 11 that felt their duty to help out somehow. So how many people stood in line and donated blood across the country, not just in 
you know, not just right in ground zero, not in New York City, not in the state of New York, but just all over the country. People were like, oh, yeah. they're going to need this here. And once they found out I was O positive, on yeah, they, oh, yeah. they wanted me to come back every what? I think it's like what? Every four months you could come back and do it? Um, I think it depends. Like, so when I do that, I do a double red cell donation, which is where um, they have machine. They call it an Alex machine. Mm-hmm. But basically, um, what they do is you they do a, a draw where they take out your blood. It goes through a machine. It separates it. They keep the red blood cells, and they and then they through the same tubing they put the plasma back in your body, so you can give a double. You give pretty much double the blood, but you don't get as like dehydrated to the point of like mm-hmm. where you're gonna like pass out. Um, Gee, I, they, I wish, I wish, I wish one blood would do that, and I forget, they got me well, on the texting list. It's it's got <laughs> so one blood is actually it's called I think it's called Florida Blood Services FBS or something or or is it one blood? I think it is. I, I know it is one blood. I'd have to honestly now. I gotta check my phone and look at this stuff, man. It's like crazy. Um, Ooh, excuse me, Jesus. Good push. It is, yeah, one blood. Sorry. So it used to be FBS, but now it's one blood. But anyway, yeah. If you if you whenever you go, you can go on the uh, one of the the donor buses, and they have the machine there. I don't know that they do it in like the actual brick and mortar donation centers. But you can go on the bus and just tell them you're O positive and you want to give a double thing. And the reason I like it, not to sound like a big old pansy or nothing, but the needle that they use is not nearly as big as the standard. It's, it's a smaller butterfly needle, so it's easier. Yeah. And like, I see, bless, this is thing I've, never, I've those, never had a problem with needles. Well, it's it's not so much that. It's just that it's smaller and it's just easier. Like, because some of my veins are just kind of small in my arm and stuff, but. Um, but yeah, you can do that, and like I, it's like every twelve weeks, you can go like, um, you know, like three times a year, I think, four times a year, maybe hmm. once okay. a quarter, or maybe one. It, I forget, but yeah, since you're O pause, dude, you can definitely do that, and it works out, man. I, that's what I do. So. Hey, plus it refresh, it, it, it refreshes the blood cells, man absolutely absolutely but yeah i mean just simple things like that that's a sense of duty i mean um not to you know and i'm not saying this as like a humble brat (laughs) i'm not trying to say to brat i'm really not i'm just telling explaining a story so i was coming back home one night from somewhere and um i was taking the selman expressway here in tampa and i was kind of getting off where it terminates down there in brandon you come down off of where it's elevated, it comes back down kind of like to street level right there behind the mm-hmm. mall and stuff. And as I was I getting at the end, I noticed a car that was kind of like <clears throat> sitting here like like, like, a, like a slow-moving bumper car just weaving back and forth. I'm like, you know, something don't seem quite right about that. So um, I went through the next couple of lights. I got all the way down towards um, kind of it goes and it bends a little bit. And there's a, there's a little service road that goes off the side there, there which kind of tied in by the post office and some other stuff. So I kind of was in the turning lane and I just kind of waited there because I was like, if this person comes back around here and they're still being stupid, like I'm going to going to intervene, not trying to be a hero or nothing. But I was like, somebody's got to do something about this. So sure as crap, here comes that car just kind of slowly going Well, they get to the end and it and it. It t- makes a T intersection right there onto um, 
what the hell is that road? Um, it's not Providence. It's um, whatever, whatever that road is. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's killing me. That I don't remember the name of it. I got to look it up. It's like Dag Nabbit. Hold on a second. So yeah, so the car <laughs> goes goes. Nabbit. Oh, it sucks, man. <laughs> Whippers, whippersnappers were driving all over the dang road and stuff, man. It's crazy. I'll tell you what, they didn't drive. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> they were driving like a bunch of dang fools. Lumsden, that's what I thought it was. So, yeah. Lumsden so, Avenue? Lumsden, <laughs> it, it, it makes a T intersection into Lumsden. There. So, this car ends up going and making a U turn to head back out <sighs> towards the elevated expressway. Now, the thing, yeah. if, you know, if you're not in this area, what you don't realize is. Um, the elevated expressway only has one lane of traffic certain. So like in the mornings it's all flowing into downtown. And then also they just put a connector in. So it now it connects all the way out to McDill and they just put in the newest branch, which is an elevated portion, which goes from right there where it used to terminate and it, ele- and it goes all the way down Gandhi Boulevard until you hit the bridge and then it blends into the bridge and stuff, which was like a big, um, project from the Tampa Hillsborough Expressway Authority and whatnot. But um, anyway, so it goes into Tampa or into um, St. Pete because a lot of folks live in Hillsborough County and work in Pinellas County. So it's just trying to help and alleviate a lot of the, um, the rush hour traffic and whatnot. But then in the evenings, it's going into the suburbs, into Brandon. So that made me nervous because I was like, this car is going to try to get back onto the expressway. It's one way it's going to be catastrophic. So um, another car had saw what was going on. So like we're sitting there kind of like side by side, we both turned our hazards on. And meanwhile, I had called the non-emergency number for the sheriff's office. Long story short, she goes and turns and kind of ends up at a red light over behind the mall and passed out in her car. So me and this other driver just kind of stood there blocking traffic away from this person. And then meanwhile, we're on the phone with the sheriff's deputy giving them like play by play, like, Hey, listen, the car's not going very fast, but like she's all over the road. It's erratic, this kind of thing. And like, you know, out of nowhere, like five, six patrol cars come screaming in lights going and stuff. And the real crappy thing was, I, I'm, I don't remember the lady's name and I wouldn't give it out just because I have a weird sense of, you know, respect for privacy. But this yeah. lady owned a freaking cab company or a limo service. And she was drunk driving. I'm just like, are, are, are you are you are you like, what the hell is your thought process? Like, seriously? So but yeah, I mean, like I. I felt this sense of duty to the people around here because I was like, you know, this is my community. I don't want to see people getting hurt. And like, yeah. there was, there was a, a, a deputy that was out here that was killed. Um, there was a guy that ended up going up onto the expressway when it was only going. So that leg of it only goes out towards the, the, the terminate, the terminator where it goes and ends in the terminus, excuse me. Um, and I'll the depth back. No, no. Let's see. I, I knew that was going to happen. Damn it. You but said this, it. this deputy, um, the deputy ended up stopping this guy by using his car to um, stop them from impacting other drivers. And unfortunately, um, 
he died in the line of duty. So, um, you know, that's a, another example of that kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah. it, duty is, it's one of those things where it's important. I mean, it, it's something, it's something bigger than yourself. Like an active yeah. duty is just, you know, it, it kind of really gives you some appreciation. Like, like, you know, I would, I would kind of imagine it to like, you know, when you do go through up through Boy Scouts and you hit Eagle Scout, you got to do that service project. Like you're doing something for somebody else like giving a sense of duty, giving, you know, having that responsibility or that obligation to do something more grandiose than yourself, having, you yeah. know, that sense of, I'm tripping over my words here, man. Bail me out here. I mean, what do you want um, to add to that? No, I no, I I totally get it, man. You you're having a, a sense of duty is like it. it you want to be able to. You're shit. Now I'm tripping over myself. You, okay. um I got something. So yeah, go ahead. It, it's kind of like you do these you do these projects when you're in these service clubs in high school, like you're in the honor society or you're in, you know, DECA or whatever the case may be. You know, I don't know what they have nowadays because, you know, I've been out of high school for 20 years. So, yeah, but you have these things where you go and you do these different projects, like, you know, just little things just to give back to your community. Like we were doing a, a yard sale one time when I was in high school for one of the organizations I was involved with. And we actually went and just, this is an older guy who was, I believe, a veteran. And we like, he bought a, a couch that somebody donated for our yard. So he was like, yeah, I'll buy that. And he bought the couch and he didn't live very far. I, I want to say he lived somewhere over in the fruit bowl. Okay. Sorry. Um, if you're not familiar with the area, there's a bunch of streets in the Brandon Stefan area. There's an area between Clay Pit and there's an area between Hold Hillsborough where all the streets are like fruit names. So like peach, plum, lime orange you get the idea and then the actual topographical area it actually kind of has makes a natural kind of bowl shaped area because of how the terrain is formed so we call it the fruit bowl anyway um but yeah the guy lived relatively close by so we ended up delivering it and you know kind of helping him get in the house because he was an older gentleman and whatnot and like having that sense of duty or, or service you know serving somebody other than that um you know i mean let's let's talk about another completely kind of relevant topic first responders having that sense of duty i mean all those guys that went into the twin towers all those the 343 firemen that went into the towers knowing hey this is probably not going to end good so yeah you know the people that the people on board flight 93 that went down in shanksville pennsylvania um you know they said hey we're going to stop this from happening because it's on our watch you know so i mean duty is kind of one of those big things folks i mean it's it, it's something it's something dreadfully important that you know yeah. especially especially for the younger generation now that i'm getting a little bit older you know i look at how like my daughter i think or i think about like your kids alamo it's like what can we do to show them how that's important um going forward you know getting involved in those service projects and like showing them what that's about like going out to the cemeteries and um, something really cool I did, uh, last year or the year before, um, there was, um, a gathering for uh, a Jeep club here in Tampa and they went up to, yeah, you told um, me this one. yeah, they went up to the Florida national cemetery up in Bushnell and there was literally two semi truck loads 
of Christmas wreaths. And what people would do is if you purchased a wreath, they would make a list and they would actually go and you would set the wreath out on the gravesite that purchased it. So you, I mean, like it was amazing. There was over a hundred Jeeps there and people in these Jeeps. And it was like an army just came in and invaded. It was amazing. You know, so all these people gathered up their stuff. They all got lists. They got reason just just took off, man. It was just crazy. Um, I went up there uh, as a guest of my buddy, Eric. That was amazing. So, Eric, if you're watching, what's up, man? Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that sense of duty was just was just amazing. I mean, because a lot of these folks, you know, and to be buried in National Cemetery, it's, you know, somebody that is a service service member or service related, um, like a spouse or something like that. Like my grandfather is actually buried in that same cemetery. And then when my mother, my grandmother, excuse me, my grandmother passed away, she was put in the same spot because they were both cremated and put in the same, um, same spot. And they ended up dying like 14 years apart, I believe, I think so. But yeah, you know, since it's a duty, it's, it's, it's one of those important things, man. And yeah, the reason we again the reason we brought this up is looking at a gentleman like mr williams um you know the the type of of duty that he had to his to his fellow marines to go out there and just do what needed to be done to save all those lives on iwo jima and then afterwards in bear in mind in iwo jima too like in iwo jima i mean thousands of marines thousands of marines died in like a single day like that's the kind of carnage you like can't even freaking imagine as having thousands of people die in one day. I mean, we had nine 11 and that was 3000 plus people. Right. Like I I think the numbers were up in like the fives, almost sixes in terms of how many Marines died in one day on Iwo. It's freaking mind blowing when you think about it. One, I'm actually. Oh, you're checking the the statistics. I am looking at it right now, sir. So, um, let me just see what's going on here. Okay, planning preparation, opposing forces. Yeah, like there was quite a few. I mean, the Fifth Fleet was involved. You had. Fifth Marine Division, Fourth Marine Division, Third Marine Division, like, yard, lot, lots of people, lot, lot. That's a lot. <laughs> borderline, borderline inappropriate. <laughs> oh, Let me. <clears throat> okay, so just looking, looking, looking here. Hang on. There's a bunch of Navy vessels that were... So there were... Medal of Honor was awarded to 27 Marines and sailors, 14 posthumously during the Battle of Iwo Jima. 22 were presented to Marines and 5 were presented to sailors, 4 of which... 4 of whom were hospital corpsmen attached to Marine infantry units, which is uh, pretty, pretty crazy. So um, I'm still looking here... I don't think I can. I don't think I see it. It was quite a few, like lots of people. Oh, 
Here we go. 24,053 casualties total. That's wounded and more than likely dead. So the, the, the statistic I'm reading says 26,000 American casualties, including 6,800 dead after the 36-day assault. 3,600. That's 60, I'm sorry, 6,800. 6,800. 2,600 casualties, 6,800 dead. Yeah. Insane. Damn. That's, that's twice the amount of people that were you know killed in the attack on 9-11. But yeah. It's insanity, bro. Absolute insanity. And, and a good, you know, kind of to kind of circle back around too is, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, he talked about how he had struggled with the effects of that combat stress and yeah. until like 1962, he had a religious renewal and he said that completely just changed his life. You know, yeah. he said, he says right here, uh, Williams credited his religious awakening with ending his nightmares and transforming his life. He said, quote, it's one of those things you put in the recess of your mind. You were fulfilling an obligation that you swore to do to defend your country. Anytime you take a life, there's always some aftermath to that if you've got any heart at all. Yeah. So definitely, definitely, definitely important. But, you know, please, by all means, tell us what your what your thoughts on duty are. You know, is it important that, you know, people understand that nowadays having that sense of duty, uh, doing their civic duty when you do jury duty? You know, something simple as that, you know, not always talking the military here. I know this is what we're kind of our show is based on, but it's not always about that. We're just kind of talking, generally speaking. So, yeah. But yeah. So that's uh, do you have anything else you wanted to add there, my dude? I don't got nothing, man. I, I like I mean, I will maybe one more thing. Like, I think like honestly, like I think there's a sense of duty just to community as well. Like, I mean, you think about I mean, you and, my, and man, this is why I love you, dude. And awesome. and not to not to like you know like there's nonprofits out there there's you know I mean even though like they're getting shit all the time nowadays especially recently you know your local churches going out and do community outreach and things like that you know what I mean just yeah all these different organizations in your community like that are going out there trying to do what they can to help out people you know you got these some of these organizations i mean well uh shameless plug my wife you know trying to work on teaching kids how to be better leaders in the community um you know what i mean you're so awesome (laughs) you know so like you know and there and you know there's i mean even in your own cities sometimes dozens if not you know, well within, you know, like there's sometimes dozens of those types of organizations in your community that you can go out to. You can volunteer for some of this stuff. And, you know, this is kind of where we're we're, like the way we're circling back to this, like, you know, this whole thing of like learn, you know, there's still a place as veterans for us to serve. And that's kind of what we're trying to get at is like, you, you know, we lose that sense of duty when we leave the military it doesn't necessarily mean that we've lost the the will to have you know some kind of thing to but 
it's the sense of like we don't know where we can use our sense of duty we can still be and are still willing to be dutiful to to those around us yes and you know i say to literally anyone that is listening to this right now milit uh veteran and civilian alike find yourself a good place to volunteer um you know again you know you you got involved you got your you know organizations you know your nonprofits. um if you're a person of faith like myself you know you have your church groups you know what i mean go out there and volunteer again nonprofits. i volunteer for a nonprofit as well you know my wife's nonprofit is one of those things and then of course obviously you know, we have the Battle Bros podcast and our sense of duty is to those veterans that feel like they don't need to be around anymore. And we need to, you know, again, our sense of duty right now, our duty right now is to stop those guys from doing those things that are essentially a permanent solution to something that's temporary, you know. So, you know, when it comes down to it, there's always something you can do there's always a new mission don't lose your sense of duty because you lost your service in the military um or you left or you left and for anyone that you know in the civilian sector if you left some place where you thought you were doing such good and now all of a sudden you don't have that anymore same thing you know what i mean you there's always another mission there's always someplace else you can go. And, you know, it's amazing, dude, because you started talking and you said something and it was just like it just completely there was one thing that I really wanted to comment on during this whole pod, this this episode. You know, so our good buddy Brian actually went out and he used to do uh, outreach with homeless veterans. So, like, he was kind of fulfilling a sense of duty to our community by going out and getting these people help and getting them access to resources and this, that, and the other. But the one big thing I wanted to say, you know, and maybe you can vouch this because you've been on both sides of this Alamo is when you're in the reserves or you're, especially myself being a member of the, the national guard, it's like you have such a big sense of civic duty and, you know, duty to the community because of, you know, your mission, you, you, you're serving in the community you directly live in yeah and like especially like hurricane duty you know when you're out there and storms come through and whatnot you get activated for for state active duty for you know emergency work and that kind of stuff you automatically you know a lot of people don't realize you know the national guard we fall we have two masters we are part of the federal force but we fall under the immediate operational and, and operational control and authority of the of the state governor Exactly. So, you know, and there's a lot of times where just going out there and doing the simplest little things, just helping to restore law and order or just helping to get people through this stuff, you know, running and operating a food or water distribution center, um, helping to direct traffic. I do. I remember one time back in like 2004 when we had one of those hurricanes come through, I was sitting out there directing traffic on state road 50 colonial drive in Orlando in front of some Walmart somewhere. And it was like, it, it was hot. It sucked. We'd, you know, be out there for an hour and then we would, you know, um, 
switch out so we could go into like we went into the, actually that to that walmart that was right there and just walk around in the ac for a little bit and just kind of cool down but little stuff like that like it was awesome people were just so appreciative and i don't think i think a lot of times if you're active duty i would imagine you don't always get that kind of exposure to the community or whatnot so yeah. i was i was very thankful <clears throat> that you know call me a nasty girl a weekend warrior jerks they don't care but you know it was just nice to have that sense of you know you know connection and and duty to the community that you live in so but yeah. thank you dude for kind of making that happen for uh bringing that up so you ready to close it out yeah all right so if you've watched this before um and you're coming back to watch this thank you so much um if you're checking us out for the first time, hopefully you like what you heard. You know, you, you dig the message that we've got, you know, the sense of duty. Um, that comes from a good friend of ours that um, just a, like a, a, just like about a week over a year ago, um, unfortunately, was one of those guys that Alamo talked about where he chose um, to solve a temporary solution with a or a temporary problem with a permanent solution. Um, John Alamo and I both worked with our, our buddy, John, um, in the retail sector um yeah and all like i say it every single time he's a funny fucker like he was just a good dude man he was full of life he was just full yeah. of love to laugh hey bro dude uh, <laughs> you, you see what's going on with that camera up there it's kind of acting a little weird bam yeah totally just straight up freaking hit me with the bottle and i'll be sitting there just like <laughs> oh damn it i just we had we had so much fun there like i'm surprised we didn't get more trouble man it was awesome did he ever but, hit you did, did he ever hit you with the pain in his shoulder no he hit me with the pain in his shoulder one time like he he was he was like dude something's wrong with my shoulder i need you to check it out like just like yeah just like, bam <laughs> and i was like <laughs> I, I, just, I, I, I like, saw him do that to somebody else. It might have been you. I don't remember, but I'm yes. pretty sure it might have been me. Just, just, <laughs> just like, oh, no, but um, <laughs> our our sense of duty to this show comes from John because um, yeah. John. I I don't know all the details, but you know, apparently he was going through something where he just felt like that was the only way out of it was to do you know, to take the course of action that he chose and mm. unfortunate because he was just such a great dude. I mean, he would have given you the shirt off his back, even if it was the only shirt he had. Um, and it, it, it's unfortunate because, you know, he might not have had an illustrious career in the military. He might not have been like the most famous dude or the most rich, but who cares? He deserves to be here and he deserves to have a story told. And this is our sense of duty to him by keeping his memory and his, his story alive. So, yeah. Um, that's kind of the, how this show got started is just a sense of, we need to stop this from happening. Cause there's on average 22 veterans a day that commit suicide. I'd normally have show you my bracelet, but I'm not wearing it. I forgot to put it on today, but, um, yeah, that that's an epidemic and that's something that we need to stop. Like it's, it's, it's a crock of horseshit to be fair. Like it, it sucks. So we need to help. We need your help in stopping that. And yeah. if you like our message, if you hear our message, tell your friends about it so they can watch. It might not always be about you. It might be about you telling somebody, they tell somebody, they tell somebody, five tell somebody's down the road. It's getting to somebody that needs to hear this. So yeah. by all means, please, you know, pay it forward as, as they say. But um, 
to kind of help when you're getting down in the dumps and whatnot, we came up with a, mon- a mantra that we utilize all the time. It's called the Battle Bros Code. And it's easy to remember. Four letters, B-R-O-S. If you can remember these four things, it's going to help you just kind of, you know, on tough days where you're feeling down and you got your, you know, dick kicked in the dirt. You know, it's going to help to kind of pick yourself up, dust We're yourself off. Give you and some and member berries today. <laughs> exactly. So the first one, B, be tenacious. Um, if you didn't see our previous episode uh, with Mr. Carter, yeah, be tenacious <laughs> like that. Be tenacious in everything yeah. you do. Okay. Don't just go out there and do something to like, you know, 75, 80, 90%. Go out there and give it the fullest. Give it your all. I mean, yeah. if it's being a parent, if it's being <clears throat> look at Mr. Williams. I mean, he was uh, you could say he was tenacious as hell. I mean, he went out there and kept going back to the friendly lines to, you know, hey, throw me another flamethrower. And he would take another flamethrower that was already gassed up, ready to go, and he'd go back out and, you know, <sighs> go out there and take care of business and all that kind of stuff. Basically so, turning people into human shish kebab, but we're not gonna go that far. <laughs> can you imagine that's the way you go like it gives me the willies thinking about it i would rather just like like shoot me that's fine but like getting flambéed like that like fuck that i quit (laughs) it's like straight up man (laughs) but anyway be tenacious no matter what you do being a parent being a teacher being a counselor being um being somebody that has a sense of duty to their community go out and do it to the fullest even if you're the trash guy man go out there you know you see these great stories about little kids that just like love the people around them whether it's the post guy or the trash guy like they love these big trucks that they ride on and the post guys and the the garbage men will get out there and they actually interact and they're just so cool that like like that's awesome i have that sense of duty to your community it's just fan fucking tastic man it's yeah. just awesome. Be tenacious and do that. Um, R. Refuse to surrender. Let's go back to Mr. Let's go back to Woody here. I mean, holy crap, he did not surrender. Four hours under just unimaginable, you know, fire from the enemy, from and stress and, stress and oh, all that kind of junk. Going back and you know, give me another flamethrower. Oda, throw me a spear. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, just refusing to surrender. If he would have did, he might have been taken out himself, and you know they would not have been able to secure that objective. It's like serious, like holy crap! Refuse to surrender. There's going to be things that happen in your life where you get off mission, you get off task, you get sideways, you get twisted. Okay, understand where your compass is pointing, and go attack it. Oh, obliterate your obstacles, like we said. Stick in the nozzle of the flamethrower. Just, ugh, Jesus. It's just, it's, it's fucked up. Good on you, Woody. God bless you, sir. But damn. I, I, I would imagine they probably suffocated from the heat of the oh, fire before they got roasted. Jeez, man. Or I shouldn't say before sucks. they completely roasted. But, you know. Things are going to happen where things are going to happen that are going to get in your way along your path. Um, he kept having to go back, so he didn't. Let, mm-hmm. He obliterated his obstacles. He went in there and took out those pillboxes. Oh yeah, went out there and did all that kind of stuff. Sometimes, and he, improv- and he improvised explosives too. Yeah, to he had to he had to have you know prep, prepped charges and stuff ready to go. All that. 
he uh, he went out there. Sometimes it's not a flamethrower. Sometimes you have to climb over a wall. You have to dig under it. You have to traverse around it. Sometimes you got to knock it down with some C4 or prep charge. And sometimes you just got to just completely just flambe them fuckers. So whatever you got to do. I mean, hey, it is what it is. Don't let that distract you from your overall mission and goal. Okay. This is a bit of a slightly exaggerated case that we're using yeah. Mr. Williams for, but it fits. So, hey, mm -hmm. um, the last and most important is S seek out a friend in time of need. As we mentioned with our friend, John, you know, there isn't anything we wouldn't give for him still to be here today. Um, if only he had reached out or, if, you know, one of us would have known it so we could reach out to him, you know, maybe we wouldn't have this show, which is good and bad in its own right, but he would still be here. Yeah. And that's important. You know, there's going to be times when things get you down and you need a little bit of help, you know, reach out to those around you. If you've got family members you trust that you can talk to, you know, if you have uh, close friends, if you have fellow service members that you were in the military with or people at your job, you know, you have um, friends that you meet, not necessarily in the military, but just in your professional career. And you know what? Hey, if you can talk to them and call them, great. If not, there are resources out there. Uh, one of those such resources is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. If you are thinking of harming yourself, um, you can always call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The phone number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. And I believe you press one once you get on the line with them. But somebody can get to you. Somebody will talk to you. They have trained professionals that are there to help you in your time of need. Um, so that you do not become a statistic. Everybody is important. Everybody is relevant, relevant, and everybody deserves to have their story told. Okay, um, it shouldn't be after the fact that your story gets told. Tell your story now, man. Like seriously, we want to keep everybody around. This is, like I said, our sense of duty to our to the veteran community, but also to just our community being people in general. So. Um, that's all I got, dude. I got, I got, I got one completely unrelated thing at the very end. But you go ahead and do your piece, and then we'll get to that on the outro. So, if you guys want to see us on the social medias, you can do that over at Facebook, and you can see us at facebook.com/battlebros.podcast. You can also find us on the Instagram at battlebros_podcast. Oh God, excuse me. If you <laughs> if you want to get in contact with us, you could do that over on the uh, Facebook Messenger as well as the Instagram Messenger. And if you click on the little green button down below in our in our uh, Facebook page, you can find the WhatsApp uh, the WhatsApp button. You can contact uh, contact us via WhatsApp, and you can leave a voice message or you can leave a text message to us, and we will get back to you as soon as we can. Um, also, if you want to catch us on the audio platforms, um, you can find us over on the Anchor. Um, you can also find us on Spotify. You can also find us on <clears throat> Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And the fact that we are on Amazon now fucking rules. Because now you can ask Alexa to put us on while you cook. Um, oh, no shit? That's <laughs> awesome. Alexa, play the fucking Battle Bros podcast. Oh, I, okay, listen, seriously. 
if somebody <laughs> sends a video of them doing that, of themselves doing that, Alexa, play the Battle Bros. We will give you a shout out on the show. Please send it. Please send that video to us. Um, God, yes. Let's do uh, let's, through the. We have our Gmail account, um, BattleBrosPC at gmail.com. Please send that video to us. Oh, yes. yes that yes, would yes. just be right the dopest dope ever. Like, seriously, it would be amazing. It would just be the most straight up. Just Alexa, be. play the Battle Bros <laughs> podcast, man. Oh, dude, that would be freaking dope. Giddy with excitement. Anyway, please, please, <laughs> um, my dude. Also, um, if you uh, want to catch us also on a different platform, you can also catch us over on the Rumble. Uh, you'll find us over there at Battle Bros. And every episode that gets uploaded straight to YouTube goes straight over to Rumble as well. So you can go ahead and catch us there just to make sure that as you're using these platforms, please, 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 folks, like, follow, subscribe, and share the hell out of these messages. Because the more you share, the more you care. And uh, let's be honest here, folks. We're not going to be heard by anybody. And uh, the message isn't going to get very far if you know if you don't spread the news. Um, so, you know, doing us the favor of spreading uh, the message out there and trying to, you know, reach guys that are or gals that are in a bad place. Um, that's really the mission here, you know. Um, so, yeah, like I said, like share, which is now, believe it or not, the most important thing. Sharing is caring, like I said. Um, cause the, the more we get shared, the more, uh, the, the, uh, the more, uh, uh, I'm having a brain fart, but the share more, the, hell out of it. the more outreach um, we get, the more outreach we get. Um, and the more the algorithms will start to recognize us and, you know, kind of suggest us to other, to, you know, to other listeners. Um, so well, I believe that's it. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm, throw you. I'm, I'm gonna throw a curveball here, dude. I'm brain farting out right now. It's, yes, uh, that's I'm good. Waiting for I'm, my three day. I'm going you're right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got three day limbo. Woo! So speaking of that, we so you know, um, since we just talked about you know Medal of Honor recipient uh, Herschel Woody Williams, a Marine Corps veteran, there was another Marine that was in the news this week, and I wanted to bring this up as a final thing because I thought it was awesome. Uh, former Secretary of Defense. And retired four-star general James Mattis was in the news this week. So he was um, in the Marine Corps for, I believe, like almost. Oh, is this what I think you're going? Okay, never. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm not saying. Okay, hold on. So um, was no- notoriously well known as a great tactician. So his nickname, he had two nicknames that he was known by. His call sign was Chaos, and he was also known as the Warrior Man. Monk dog mad dog yeah mad dog mattis but he was also known as a warrior monk and what a lot of people what some people may not know is that in his entire time he was in the marine corps he was a bachelor he was not married he said i did not want to be married because i wanted to solely focus myself on being the best marine leader that i could be so after he left the service um during uh president trump's administration he was the secretary of defense for about two years ended up leaving because of having some um differences with commander in chief whatnot but he was just recently in the news because da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, mad dog mattis 
just got married in true Marine fashion, um, met a young lady in a bar and they had a ceremony. Let me read the article. Let kind of look over the article here. So, um, it- he got they were married in um a in somewhere in somewhere called riverside i don't exactly know where and it was officiated by well get there was this a, y'all there was there was a second wedding ceremony oh okay in, in las vegas officiated yes. by an elvis impersonator fucking awesome so, if that yep. ain't the most marine corps shit you've ever heard Oh, dude, there's a great picture on uh, making its way around uh, Twitter right now. Yes. With, so the lady's name is Christina Lamazny. She's a physicist, and they got married last Saturday. Um, but, yeah, he's he's in there just a pair of slacks and a nice a comfortable brilliant shirt. brilliant man is marrying a brilliant woman. What do you know? Hell, yeah. So congratulations, <laughs> Mad Dog Mattis, on your nuptials, man. Better yeah. late than never, sir, but, hey. Awesome shit, brother. So anyway, Sir, we salute you for doing the most freaking Marine Corps shit ever. <laughs> Semper Fi, do or die, baby. Absolutely. Damn right. So we gotta start ending the shows on a good note like that because that's some awesome shit. That is man. some awesome <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, What's your name, Mrs. Mad Dog? Ooh, yeah, Ooh. Mrs. Mad Dog, man, is fucking dope. Anyway. Uh, once again, everybody, um, thank you again for taking the time out to watch our show. Um, we really appreciate that. It means a lot. And if you yeah. can help us spread our message and continue the outreach, hey, more power to you. We'll love you even more. Um, as always, um, this has become a passion project that is just something that has just kind of consumed a good portion of our lives. And I mean that in the yeah. best possible way. And Absolutely. As, as as much as we can, we're going to keep pushing this forward and you know, trying to reach a mountaintop. So um, until next week, we will sign off for now. Reminder, everybody have a safe and happy 4th of July weekend. Uh, Don't blow any damn fingers off. All right. Make sure you keep the safeties on them freedom candles. (laughs) Safeties on the freedom. Nice. Dude. Dude. (laughs) So good. Do not, do not have a negligent discharge with the freedom candles. Damn there right. you go. There's your safety brief for the weekend, folks. So once again, this has been the Battle Bros Podcast with Mac and Alamo. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we hope to see you again soon down the road. Um, until then, y'all be safe, be careful. We love you, and uh, look out for your fellow friends and your fellow people, and take care of one another. So until then, see ya. Battle Bros out. As you were.